Morning, everybody. Okay. Um, after last week when Mike spoke, I'm feeling really, really nervous because he was just amazing. And I have to say, I've known Mike for oh, a long time. <laughs> I've actually got really scared uh, last week because his daughter, Hannah, who stayed with us when she was 15, was 24 last week. So that scared me. <laughs> She had her 16th birthday at our house and she's now 24. But when Mike spoke last week, I just thought that's the best I've actually ever heard Mike speak. And I've been really thinking about it. Keith and I have been talking about it a lot this week. So um, I meant to text you. So thank you, Mike. That was brilliant. Um, But as for Elijah, well, when he gave me what I was speaking about and I read the bit and then read the verses and thought... I haven't got a clue I'm going to connect those. I don't even know what he's trying to get at. It's one of those going off a tangent Elijah things. But um, I then had a read of it. And I was thinking, how am I going to get this done? We have our house is upside down. There's dust. There's muck. There's everything. Uh, my sister and niece have come to stay. When am I going to get this done? And then two weeks ago, God was just so gracious. And Keith was out walking the dogs when it just came within an hour. And in an hour, I had this down. Isn't God good? He knew what was going to happen in my life um, between then and now. So that's brilliant. So, um, I think as Mike said last week, this series um, is centralizing on, as communities of the king, we should model what the kingdom looks like when God has his way with a group of people. We are a natural people with a supernatural task. So, my verses come from John 21. So, if you've got your Bibles, because they're not going to be up on the screen, because I certainly haven't had time to do that. So, John 21, verse 15. Let me just read them to you. You'll know these really well. When they were finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these? Peter answered Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt bad because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He answered Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, Peter was a natural man. He was an ordinary man. He was an ordinary person. He was a fisherman. He worked with his hands. No, he didn't do anything cerebral. He just worked with his hand. He was a fisherman. It's what he did. It's what his brother did. Family thing. 
But fishing wasn't a leadership job. Just went out and caught fish. Peter wasn't seen in his community as someone in charge, as a leader. He was just an ordinary person. In fact, prior to the verse I've just written, read to you, what we read of Peter basically is that he was a bit up himself. He was full of himself. He was boastful. He wanted to be first. He wanted to be in there. Everything that you read about Peter up to there is he liked to know what was going on. He liked to be in the middle of things. He bragged. He boasted. He quite often spoke before he engaged his brain. My husband says, I do that quite a lot. In fact, he was a bit of a braggart. He often boasted of his faith and the things he was going to do. And if you remember, even a few days before this conversation, Peter had been full of himself again at the Last Supper. Jesus, with his friends, his disciple, before his death, Peter told everybody there sitting at that meal, loud and boastful, that he loved Jesus so much that he would die for him. That's what he said just a few days before Jesus' death. But when the chips were down, just a day or so later, what happened? Peter couldn't keep that promise. He denied Jesus just when Jesus needed him. Not just once. One, two, three times he denied Jesus. And it's to this Peter, ordinary, boastful, up himself Peter, who when the chips were down, couldn't live up to his boasts. It's to that Peter that Jesus asks perhaps the most important question in the Bible. Do you love me? Do you love me? He asked that of Peter. This morning, he's asking that of you. Do you love me? Mike spoke last week of the need to transition from the natural to the supernatural. And this question for me is at a time of Peter's transitioning. This question enables Peter to transition from the natural to the supernatural. It's the start of his supernatural life with Christ. Is it the start of yours, that question? Do you love me? So let's ask ourselves, why? Why was asking Jesus asking that question of Peter? Peter, who had been with him for three years. Peter, who had seen so much. He'd heard so much. He'd heard Jesus' actual words. He'd seen Jesus' actual actions. He'd seen the most amazing things. Miracles. He'd seen people's lives changed. He'd heard about how much God loved people. He'd heard about living the life a different way. In the way that God intended. But Jesus still asks that question. Before I continue with the why, I just want to 
flick to the where. So where were they when that question was asked? On the Saturday night after Jesus' death, Peter, boastful, full of himself, but ordinary Peter, couldn't cope any longer. His world had been turned upside down. His best friend, Jesus, had been crucified. He was dead. He didn't know what was happening. His life as he knew it had turned upside down. He was full of trauma. He was probably traumatized. So what does he do? He goes back to what he knows best. He goes fishing. We do that, don't we, sometimes when our back's against the wall. When things get really difficult, we do the ordinary. We do what we know best. And that's what he did. He just said to the others, I'm going fishing. Who wants to come? And off he went, fishing. He was keeping busy, keeping his hands busy, so he didn't have to think as much about what had just happened in those last few days with Jesus. So in a fed up sort of way, he's sort of saying, right, I've had enough. I'm going fishing. Who wants to come? Off they go. What happens? Catch nothing. Absolutely nothing. Then someone appears on the shore. When they're about 100 metres out, probably not metres in those days, but there you go, about that sort of you know, distance, someone's on the shore. And at first, they don't recognize who it is. But he tells them to throw their nets on the other side. And after catching nothing all night, they have a net full of fish. And that's when John, the disciple John, says, it's the Lord. And what does impetuous, boastful, full of himself Peter do? Straight into the water. No messing around. Straight into the water. Typical. He wanted to be there first, I think. He just liked to be in there, right in there and first. And there on the shore, the risen Jesus is cooking breakfast for them. He has fish ready for breakfast. And it's into that scene that Jesus and Peter have this conversation about, do you love me? It's by the fire at breakfast that Jesus asked that question. So why ask that question? And why specifically of Peter and not the others who were there? The other disciples who had gone fishing with him, who were having breakfast. Why ask it of Peter? Well, I think it's because Jesus knew he had a task for Peter. He wasn't looking at Peter's past any longer. He was looking at Peter's future. A future for an ordinary man, but with a God-given supernatural task for God's kingdom. He knew what he wanted Peter to do. He knew what Peter's life was going to look like. And actually, he starts that conversation with Peter's old name, Simon. He doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon, the old name, because he knows he's going to transition into that new life. 
Simon, do you love me more than these? I had a long think about that. What on earth does he mean by more than these? More than what? More than the other disciples sitting around them? More than his old fishing life? The things he'd enjoyed? The things he'd gone back to after Jesus' death? The working with his hands? What does he mean? I think Jesus is saying, do you love me more than anything? More than anything. And I think he's asking us the same question this morning. Do we love him more than anything? Fishing, your house, your spouse, your family, do you love him? When Jesus asked that question of Peter, do you think he thought Peter didn't love him? Do you think Jesus wasn't sure of Peter's love for him? Or do you think he was letting Peter know what that love that loving Jesus would actually mean. Because with that love for Jesus would come responsibility. With love would come a supernatural God-given task that in the end would lead to Peter's death. And Jesus knew that. When he was asking those questions, he knew that. He knew Peter's future. He knew what would happen. In Greek, not that I know, but I looked it up, in Greek, there are three words for love. And two of them are used in this conversation. And I think it's important that we understand that. There is agape, which is divine love, complete love. And there is filio, brotherly love, the love we have for members of our family, When Jesus asks the question, he uses the agape meaning. He is asking Peter if Peter loves him with a godly, deep, overwhelming, all-encompassing love. When Peter replies, he uses the word filio. He's saying, yes, Lord, I love you like a brother. So Jesus is saying, do you love me with that all-encompassing, overwhelming, deep, godly love? And Peter says, yes, I love you as a brother. So Jesus doesn't ask him if he loves his wife or his family or his friends sitting around him. If you like, he doesn't ask us, do we love church, the people sitting here with us in church? No. Jesus doesn't ask that of us. He asks, do you love me. Jesus wants us to love him unconditionally. Not our church, not our church family, not our own family, not our spouse or our children. To do what God wants us to do, we have to love him. And we do what we do because we are full 
of an overwhelming, gut-wrenching, supernatural pull of love for Jesus. You might love your family. You might love things. I'm thinking about Middlesbrough. People who watch Middlesbrough play, heaven knows why, their passion for, for them losing, although they did win yesterday, well done. Or my niece's passion, who was up four o'clock this morning watching England's netball win gold against Australia. Woo! Um, because she has a passion for watching netball and she wanted to see that happen. So it changed her behavior. She was up at four o'clock this morning. Do you have a gut-wrenching, so supernatural pull of love for Jesus that so ex- overwhelms you that actually you fall on your face with love? It brings you to your knees. Let's go back to that conversation. Let's look at the responses. We've looked at the questions. Let's look at the responses. I think Peter doesn't really get it when Jesus asked that question. Certainly not at the beginning. So his response is, well, of course I love you. You know, of course. A bit like my husband when I say, do you love me? Yeah, okay. Yes, you know, if you want me to say so, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's about it really, isn't it? So, and I think, you know, Peter's saying, well, of course, you know I do. Of course I love you. And the first time Jesus tells Peter to feed my lambs. The second time, take care of my sheep. And the third time, feed my sheep. And the third time, Peter's hurt by that question. Why? Because he remembers the three times he denied Jesus. But Jesus, by actually asking those three questions, is telling Peter that Peter is forgiven And he's restored for what has just happened the day or two before. And we too are restored and forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I wonder how many times Jesus would have to ask you that question. He had to ask Peter three times because three times Peter denied him. How many times would Jesus have to ask you that question? these lambs and sheep then? Who are they? What's this about lambs and sheep? Well, we are those lambs and sheep that Jesus was referring to. For Peter, it would be for all those people who committed themselves to Christ, who became followers of Jesus and members of the early churches. His sheep are Jesus's flock And it is to Peter and in turn to us that he's handing over their care. So he's saying to Peter, I want you to care for my sheep and lambs. And he asks us to do the same. And in a sense, we are Elijah and Joe's lambs and sheep. God has given them the care of us. And at first they would be lambs, baby sheep. Young Christians who would need feeding, who would need to be helped to understand all the things that Jesus taught, to understand what the kingdom of God was actually about. 
And Jesus was entrusting these baby lambs, these baby Christians, to brash, full of himself, Peter. Because Jesus knew the changes that would be coming. He knew there was going to be a changed Peter. Then as sheep, more mature Christians, they would need tending. Tend my sheep. We all need looking after. Difficult things come into our lives. Being a Christian doesn't mean we don't get hurt or upset or horrible things happen to us. We need to be tended. We need to be there for each other. We need to tend each other. We need to show God's love to each other. And the third time is feed my sheep. Because still, as mature Christians, as we grow up, we still need feeding. We still need to know more about God and how to live the life that God wants us to be. Just as Jesus was telling Peter, so he's asking of us. The transitioning from the natural to the supernatural. How do we love each other? How do we love each other? In John 13, 34 and 35, it says, I give you a new law. You are to love each other. You must love each other as I have loved you. If you love each other, all men will know you are my followers. So how do people outside know that we love him? Because we love each other. And they see that. And they ask, how can you do that for each other? How are you there for each other? How do you tend for each other? 1 Peter 1.17 says, The Father is the one who judges you by what you do. He does not respect one person more than another. If you call him Father, be sure you honor him with love and fear all the days of your life in her. Now, as any good teacher will know, Love can be a verb, a doing word. That verse in John tells us that men will know we are his followers if we love each other. That means they've got to see something. They've got to see the love we have for each other. We can't just say we love each other and nothing changes, nothing happens. People have got to see that. As a church here, are we living supernaturally? Do we love each other? Is our love for Jesus so overwhelming that we can do nothing but love each other? Love's got to be seen in the way we act towards each other, the way we speak towards each other, and in fact, how we speak about each other when we're not in church. And perhaps the last, the most challenging, how do you, how do I speak about our church family behind their backs? Is everything we say born out of love? Or sometimes do we let the human side of us get the upper hand? We are supernatural. God wants us to live like that. 1 Corinthians 13 says, I may be able to speak the languages of men and even of angels, but if I do not have love, 
it will sound the noisy brass. If I have the gift of speaking God's word, and if I understand all secrets but do not have love, I am nothing. If I know all things, and if I have the gift of faith so I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give everything I have to feed poor people, and if I give my body to be burned, but do not have love, it will not help me. Sometimes it's easy to do things for church. We're going to run a group. We're going to do the kids group. We're going to do the cleaning. Get the walls painted. But here Jesus is telling Peter very, very clearly that he doesn't want Peter to do things for church or for family except out of love for him alone. Out of love alone. For him alone. And Peter in that conversation is being commissioned for that. He was being given a task. He was going to leave behind what he already knew, his fishing, and he was going to be a leader. A leader of men. He was going to teach, he was going to feed, he was going to take care of the followers of Jesus. And he would do that by using the, God, the gifts that God was going to give him. This lowly fisherman... This ordinary man, used to working with his hands, was going to be touched by God and given supernatural abilities to teach, encourage, and share. And we too are commissioned by Jesus to love each other, to use the gifts that he's given us for his kingdom. Do you love me? A simple question, but a deeply profound one. This question shaped Peter's life, and it's a question for each one of us. At the point of being given this task, Peter was in a pretty awful place. His life had been turned upside down. He probably felt empty inside, didn't know what he was going to do. But that meant that Jesus could fill him up and use him because he was empty. And you might be sitting here now feeling empty, feeling that your life's a waste of space. You feel dry and barren and you aren't good at doing anything for Jesus. But Jesus can use you. Peter was an ordinary man. We are ordinary people. But by being filled with love for Jesus, we can achieve amazing things. And we need to start by loving each other and showing that to the world. And that love for Jesus is an individual thing. We can't do it by proxy. We can't love through others or through the church. In fact, I get quite fed up with people who say we love the church because actually that's not what it's about. We, each of us, needs to say, I love you Jesus. The kingdom of God is built on love. You can come to church, you can listen to sermons, bad ones, or help out with groups, be as involved as you like, but that is not what is important. What is important is that you love Jesus, that you put him first in your life, and all you do honors him. And then like Peter, You take up your task of caring for others. 
I wonder who you've fed in the church this week. I wonder who you've given an encouraging word to. Who have you looked after? Who have you tended? Who was in need and you've been there? Who have you gone the extra mile for this week? Are they sitting behind you or in front of you? Do you know people's needs sitting behind and in front of you? Is your love of Jesus a habit or a motivation? And who's fed you this week? Who's shown love to you this week? Who's tended you? Give thanks to God for them. Or are you like Peter? Are you still full of yourself? Still doing things your own way? Trying to be in control? Or are you overwhelmed by your love for Jesus today?